Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Minds Collide Pod. It is Super Bowl Sunday. We are all hanging out. We have about an hour and a half until kickoff of the Super Bowl. We're all real excited for the game. Are we? I'm excited for some parts of the game. So the commercials. Yeah. The commercials. And I'm really excited for the halftime show. That halftime That's show. That's true. Oh, yeah, Trav. Trav, Maroon 5, they're going to do the SpongeBob thing. We'll see. I'm still not convinced that's happening. Man, I'm telling you. That would be epic. That would be mad epic. Some people are going to make a lot of money on that. Like, a lot of money. It, they had, like, a Is line a for, it? for it. Oh, yeah, there was a line There's for it. There's a line it. for the... Yeah. <laughs> it, was, um, it was, like, three or four weeks ago. It was plus 10,000. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you put money on it? I wish I would have. Even if you bet $5, what would that be? 50 grand. <laughs> Some people are going to be very rich. That's crazy. So, that's clowning. It'd be crazy if they actually do it. Like I think they're really going to. I don't think they will. That's where there's a line for that because that's something that someone knows is going to happen before it happens. Do you know what I mean? So someone yeah. out there knows it's going to happen. There's a lot of people that know it's going to happen. I, I feel like that's different than betting on sports where it's like something is like in-game and something you don't know is going to happen. Anyway. I think it's still cool, though. I like how people can make yeah. bets for anything. Yeah. All right. This week, we're going to cover um, a lot of different things this week. The first thing we're going to jump into is talking about... Um, this is going to be a little bit more of a serious episode, I feel like. The first thing we're going to jump into is why are young people pretending to love work? Then we're going to talk about some artists that we really think are going to blow up and give you guys some recommendations on what to check out. Uh, then I think we're going to jump a little bit into the NFL and what they need to do as far as fixing their broken officiating. Should we start with that? Actually, that's probably not a bad idea. Should it's we start a nice with that? little smooth, smooth transition? Sure, we can start that? with that, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So, Drew, you want to fill us in on what happened in the NFC Championship game? Yeah, so I think most people saw that play. It was uh, Saints versus Rams. Rams. Yep. And that terrible play, the no call, that was should have been a pass interference call. And so I think what I wanted to talk about with this is just kind of like how we feel about them bringing in to the NFL kind of like a secondary judge who's like in a booth that can like call those kind of plays. I don't know if anyone watched the World Cup this past year or if it was last year, whatever it was, they had, like, what they were calling the, I think it was AR, or, like, assistant referee, mm-hmm. who yeah. was, like, someone, like, in a booth who would, like, review plays and then, like, make the call from there to, like, the judge on the field and, like, how that would kind of, like, work in the NFL. And I feel like that's, I mean, nowadays where, like, everyone is watching on TV and everyone can see everything in slow-mo five times, like, why not use that as a tool, you know, for a referee? And I can kind of see, like, you know, the backlash where it's like, well, we don't want to make it even more complex. There's there are already, like, so many plays that are reviewed, like, ten times. and Not reviewed ten times, but, like, reviewed, and it takes, like, ten minutes. And it's just, like, a, yeah, you know. And it slows the pace of the game. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, there is some kind of, like, element. Like, the human element of judgment is good, I think, in sports. Um, so, see, I actually think that the NBA has gotten it right. Yeah, like a nice mix. Yeah, like they have the people in Secaucus, New Jersey, who are basically just sitting there reviewing non-judgment calls. So basically things that are like, this has to go one way or another. And then all of the judgment calls, so like technical fouls, the flagrant fouls, all of those are being called by the in-house referees. So if there's any question of what's going on, like the refs who are in the game are obviously feeling out the game. They know the talk that the players are having. Yeah, they have the vibe of whatever the foul was or not was. Right. So I think essentially what needs to happen is there needs to be a way where the player or the the referees on the field are making that initial call. So, like, obviously, let's just use the play that happened as an example. The uh, referee that makes the no call, there needs to be another judge, like Drew was just mentioning, in a booth somewhere, whether that's physically in the arena or if it's in a third-party place like Secaucus, New Jersey for the NBA, where those referees are saying, whoa, 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 hang on, let's throw the flag. And I think there needs to be, like, a rule for that. Like, I I feel like, obviously, every play can't have something like that happen. I would have to say, you know, within the last five minutes of each half, those people come into play. Because I think otherwise you're going to slow the game down way too much. Like, 
Kyle, you played football. Yeah. Right? You know that there's holding that happens on literally every single play. Yeah. So I think a big thing what would happen is if you do have like a person upstairs, I mean, they already kind of do have that as far as um, turnovers and catches and stuff. They'll still send some of that stuff to New York or wherever the people are that are reviewing it. But as far as there's like plays that are like bang bang and like you got to keep the game going so for example like something like the nba you can't review if someone gets fouled like you can't take like a two minute like break have the refs come over ask someone hey was that a foul and then call a foul like you know what i mean so same way with football you can't do that when if there's gonna be a holding call you can't like get every single thing reviewed so I think it should happen on big plays. So, so, but how do you define a big play? Right. So that's the thing that, that they're going to have to work out. And that's why I think it just makes sense to say the last 20 minutes or the last five minutes of each half of the game, right? You have somebody in a booth somewhere making those judgment calls. I mean, I get that, but then you're kind of only saying the last five minutes are the only things that count. True. The other thing that they're throwing out there is that coaches would have challenges that they could use for penalties. How do you feel about that? I like that. Um, I would need like more detail of what it would actually be. But um, I like that idea. As long as it's not like they're getting like three or four per half or something, like mm-hmm. more than the regular challenges. But I don't know. That would be something nice to see happen, especially with something like that. I feel like if that play that we keep referring to, that pass interference no call, if that was sent through like with a challenge or if a coach would have threw a challenge flag for that, I feel like that's something they would have So up. the way it works in soccer, I was just reading the Wikipedia page. It's called Video Assistant Referee, so VAR. And it can happen. So there's a guy in a booth watching, right? And if he thinks like maybe something happened that's when they like use it like are you talking about like a foul though it can be anything so it doesn't okay. have to be a scoring play it doesn't have to be a turnover it can just be like you know anything where like he sees something that's like oh i don't want to miss this call like you know if it's a big momentum shift or like something like that like that play like it wasn't a turnover it wasn't a scoring play but like it was a huge shift in momentum it was yeah. like third down or fourth down or whatever it was like it doesn't have to be a specific thing i think that's kind of where the nfl they're making a point of like not stopping the game so much because it's not like a measurable thing and i think when you bring in someone else and it is like a measurable you know is he down is it a catch mm-hmm. is it a first down or in soccer like is he off sides if it's like a measurable thing i think it's different but when it's like a bang bang thing like that mm-hmm. it's a whole different it's a judgment so in so it's interesting but yeah keep going in football or in soccer they're saying so you can review in four types of calls goals if there's like an offside or like a foul which is measurable and so is the goal yeah penalty decisions which uh, which is that's not right measurable. that's not measurable right. that's like a judgment direct red card decisions and mistaken identity and awarding a red or a yellow card okay so like, so like a reverse call finding like what player actually did it i think okay, okay. Talking about. Yeah, yeah so yeah i mean like some of those are more not so much like quantitative but like qualitative and then you also have to think about the penalties as far as soccer related to football. So soccer, it's more like it can get physical sometimes, but pretty much if you touch someone who has the ball, it's kind of like a foul. So I don't know. That's interesting to think about because mm-hmm. soccer is such a different sport than football as far as penalties go. Well, they allow reviewing in baseball now, don't they? Mm-hmm. Baseball is very measurable, though. Yeah, it's either one thing or the other. Right. There's no penalties. Yeah, what there's they, no judgment. So what do they have reviewing in baseball? Like, what can you review? Isn't um, it just if, if it's a home run or not? Home run or not, I think is one. But isn't it also player to base? Yeah, like if it's an out, if they were out in time. Yeah. If it's a catch or not. Um. Yeah, so like a catch or not, like that's almost kind of like similar to some things in football right i don't know do you know like there's no penalties in 
baseball. Yeah. But like, there's, so there's, there's no judgment. It's either like yes or no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's either that, in. Or but see, it's that out. makes it a lot easier. That's why I think right. the NFL has a lot more difficult situation because like there's so many more different rules that go into the game of football, and a lot of it is okay. Well, we need to make a legitimate judgment call about what we're doing rather than yes or no right like the situation that we're talking about and that has everybody up in arms that was an obvious like that's that's a quantitative thing and like it blows my mind that something like that can happen quick like that and there's no like repercussions or no action taken right away and being like you missed that call yeah, like we missed that we, we sh- need to fix this that's why they so, need someone in a booth to just be like we missed something do we also think and, and this is something that i think needs to be real tightened up because i have I have a real issue with roger goodell period like i think i think him as a leader regardless if it's the nfl or whatever organization he would be a leader of terrible guy <laughs> he really is he's a terrible guy um i think that there needs to be more legitimate punishment towards officiating like i think we need to look at it and say, okay, well, the official has missed five calls in consecutive weeks that have turned momentum in games. This officiator, this referee, should be fired. And I think that would help create a little bit more honesty in the referees. Do you know, like, we don't even know. Like, maybe that happens. It doesn't. You hear about it when it does. This year, there was one referee who was fired midseason, and that was the first time that's ever happened. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm saying. So, like, there needs to be a little bit more urgency when it comes to firing, I think, in midseason. Because then it sets it sets a bar and it says, this is the standard. This is what we need to do. And this is how it's got to be. So. I can appreciate that. And that, that's just what I think. That's like, you know, if you fail at your job, you don't get to keep your job. Like, you get fired. No, right. And, like, when you, when you look at referees, right, right like, you think... Ed Hockley, you think Gene's uh, stress tour, you think um, who's who's the one guy who always screws over the Eagles? What's his name? Uh, I thought you were going to say Tony Brothers in the NBA. Well, Tony Brothers, <laughs> like, right, like, even going to the NBA, like Tony Brothers is a great example. These referees have all been a referee for decades. Yeah, like a long time. Right. So it's almost like there's no turnover in officiating, and mm-hmm. there needs to be because I feel like it brings a fresh eye, it brings a new perspective. And it makes them value their job more. If they have job security, then they don't feel like they need to make calls when they need to make calls. I mean, yeah, same thing about jobs, though. If you want someone there who's been there for a while and knows what they're doing and been in, like, high-intense situations and knows how to make the right call. So do you really want, like, someone who's their first year officiating, you know, maybe possibly put in a situation where they are making that call in the championship game? So, Well, that and that's the thing. They shouldn't be... They shouldn't be in the position where they are doing the championship game. What I'm saying is, is there needs to be like a progression system. But that's where system. this happened. I, I, I get that. But I'm saying there needs to be a progression system where it's like, okay, obvious, there's there's 11 referees on the field at any given time, right? You have the back judge, the side judges, you have the referee, you have the umpire, you have all those different positions, yeah. right? There needs to be a general progression upwards, Right, so you start off as a side judge because the side judge is really super easy, right? You make sure nobody's offsides and that everybody's lined up correctly and then on in the red zone, you confirm whether or not there's a touchdown. Right? If it's yeah, the goal line. Yeah. Very very <clears throat> easy position. It, it just is, right? So you start there and then if you do well there, then you move up to the next thing. And then you move up to the next thing, right? Like, I think they say that there's only 16 officiating crews in any given league. I think there should be somewhere upwards of 32, right? Double the what it is. And then, you know, if one week an officiating crew makes a really poor mistake, bring them in, do training with them and say, hey, this isn't well. Give them every other week opportunities, right? So there's consistent ongoing training. Have you heard the thing with like the NBA refs Twitter? So like there's a Twitter handle, the Twitter handle for the NBA referee group, whatever they're called, and, like, people would tweet at them and be like, is this a foul? And be like a James Harden, like, step back, or, like, something where, like, you know, it's, like, an obvious foul, and, like, they didn't call it. And, like, they would argue with, like, people on Twitter. Oh, I see. I think I've seen, like, these threads. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like... It's interesting. Like, why are you arguing? You're supposed to be, like, the professional. Like, they're, like, getting into it with, like, 
kids and stuff like on Twitter. Like it's weird. And I think there's a real distrust with all officiating because I don't know if you guys remember this. It was a 30 for 30. I think it was like one of the first ones that ever came out about the one NBA referee who was actually betting on games that he was officiating. I heard I didn't watch it, but I heard like I saw like the little trailer. Yeah, it was like one of the first ones that ever came out. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) But anyway, so hopefully they figure that out over the offseason because there obviously needs to be something done about it. But, you know, moving on kind of the next thing and we're talking about jobs is Drew sent us an article this week about um, young people and what they're doing with their career. Right. We need to kind of take a look at what this is. And the article basically says in, in short, young people are working harder for essentially no reason. Yeah. So one of my friends posted this on Facebook. I thought it was like really interesting. It's an article by the New York times and it's called why are young people pretending to love work? Um, the caption below is I saw the greatest minds of my generation log 18 hour days and then boast about hashtag hustle on Instagram. When did performative workaholism become a lifestyle? So that's kind of like a thing I think going on right now. Like there's just like this obsession with like the grind and like being like the hardest working person in the room and like, you know, putting in these long hours and like making your hustle, like your lifestyle and not really taking any time to like, you know, relax, relax, rewind, just like live your actual life. Like make your whole life about work. Um, and talks about like we work and like how we work kind of like fosters that yeah environment yeah so like there's all these like things and we work about like thank god it's monday do what you love hustle harder um and like just kind of like that whole mentality so here's my thought about it is and i hate to keep bringing it back to this but i almost feel like at the same time this is what it is right Businesses nowadays are so driven by social media that social media is an influence. So, like, you you know, it's like the same thing. Like, influencers, quote-unquote, they post to be in the coolest places at the coolest times, and they want to show off their lives. I think it's kind of like the same thing when it comes to the millennials and their working is they're like, hey, I'm working harder than you. I'm better than you. This is what it is. It's almost like a competition culture. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where it comes from. But, like, as far as the article goes itself, like, we're all millennials, right? No no question about that. It's like, my thought on it is, <clears throat> I think you work hard to get your job done, right? But I think you don't need to go above and beyond. Like, I think there's a healthy balance and work-life balance more so now than ever needs to be stressed because I feel like people aren't taking the time to do that mm-hmm. so you think like the main reason there's this whole culture is kind of like competition absolutely like, people want to feel like they're better than someone else absolutely it's like e- they work more even if it means that like there's no results tied to it right like if the four of us were all salespeople, we were selling cars right there should be some type of thing that says hey i'm gonna work seven days a week because i'm gonna make more money than you Right. But at what point is enough money enough money? Right. Like when you're selling cars, you're ne- you're going to hit a ceiling at some point. And if you're hitting your ceiling after, you know, 40 hours a week or 45 hours a week, you need to stop there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like and, and nobody knows what that ceiling is. But yeah. What do you guys think about this? I think <clears throat> for me, um, I guess a lot of it's like kind of internal too. I feel like some people might have a harder time just internally accepting the fact that um, you might not like what you're doing, and some people will work somewhere that they don't, where they don't like. They don't like the people they work with. They don't believe in the mission. They don't believe in what they're doing, but they'll do it just for a paycheck, and they'll kind of just go about and tell themselves, like, "Hey, maybe I'll find something I like about it. Maybe it'll change or something like that." And for me. I mean, you guys know I worked four different places within like a three-month span. And I quit all of them within a week, one after a month and then one after two weeks. And a lot of people will look at that and I get how it's like a bad rap. Like you're not even giving it a time. You're not even giving it really a chance. But I knew in my heart like what I liked, what I wanted to do. And I was just in that moment, I felt like I was just 
completely fallen into like the system and i was like i'm not going to push myself as something that i actually have no passions about at all like i know that i'm not going to be good at this i could be decent but i wasn't going to sit there and falsely tell myself oh, if you study this and this and this and try to become the best at this um you really can because i'm a firm believer that anything you're really passionate about i believe it's almost impossible to fail at it or be unsuccessful with it because if you're passionate about something think about think about it from like a school perspective think about your least favorite subject in school and then think about your favorite subject you've ever had in college like for me specifically i'm not going to go through all of them one of my, my least favorite ones was the math class i've always hated math so it just never came to me because i hated it i always partially blocked out even if you try to pay attention you'll always slip away because you just don't care you can't push yourself to care about something you don't like but yeah. for like my economics classes and then also just like some of the gen eds like philosophy i actually thought it was super interesting um and i didn't even have to try to pay attention and those classes came easy like the easiest a's i've had because you pay attention naturally you retain stuff naturally because it's something you care about and i think that transfers over to work and i believe like what i'm doing now is it truly my passion no but i found something where i could showcase a lot of my personality with my work and i could transfer it over um and I found bits and pieces that are more like inner passions, but just really my personality and like how I'm made up. But it's not my true passion in terms of a specific industry. But I believe that, I don't know, I, I think that a lot of people nowadays just because of how more expensive everything is and how I feel like a lot of parents push for like certain um certain goals like some parents have like this set mindset like oh i might once you graduate i want you to go work at like this hospital or do this or do that i feel like they have a lot of pressures so let me ask you this because i feel like this is another part of it how much do you think technology is influencing the hustle culture a lot absolutely and why do you think that is a lot of people at least from what i look at and this is i i make sure on my own so i filter out I don't want to call it the bullshit, but I filter out the people that just really did just get lucky, right place, right time, or the backstory is they came from a rich family. Like, I don't know if you remember that YouTube creator that created Tyler or whatever. His dad is a multimillionaire. Like, he's in oil. That's so like, like that video yeah. we watched last night. So that's why. Were you here or was that... I heard, I heard someone watching a video... And I heard like they and his dad sold his company for, for three hundred million. million yeah. I yeah. heard it when I was upstairs. I don't know what you guys were watching, but what were we watching? I don't remember. It was like, um, oh no, you know what? You weren't even here yet. I was watching like one of those, what do they call those? It was like commenter people, the people who like react mm-hmm. to videos. He was like reacting to this guy. You who, love like, those videos. I do. You watch a video about someone reacting to another video, and he'll <laughs> pick it apart. It's a reaction to a reaction video. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They're cool, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) No, they're not. not. I think think the... Like, for me, right? I I feel like I fell susceptible at one point to the quote-unquote hustle culture. Like, Mm -hmm. there there was a point right after we graduated college, I would say probably within the first six months, I was legitimately working probably 60 to 65 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I was tired. I was exhausted. Like, I wasn't feeling Mm -hmm. good. And then... You know, that kind of continued on. And then early this year, so early, or I guess last year, early 2018, I was getting emails all throughout the night, right? Like when I go to bed at night, I have probably somewhere between 40 and 50 emails in my inbox. When I wake up in the morning, I have like 110. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I sit there and like all night long, my phone's going off, it's going off, it's going off. So like at some point, you know, if I'm getting four, five, six, seven, eight in a row, I wake up. I look at it and I see who emails and then I'm like, okay, what do they want? I look at the email and then I sit there and I start thinking about it. I had trouble falling back asleep. So like it's almost to the point where it consumed my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then like it was taking over like your personal life at that point. It oh, was yeah. going like beyond the office when you left work. It was like following you. Yes. And that's where it becomes a like, problem. Bad. And then over the summer I was getting phone calls on the weekend and text messages on the weekend. And I was like, I need to somehow figure out how to tune this all out. So I deleted, uh, we use Gmail at work. I deleted the Gmail app off my phone. Yep. I converted everything over to the regular mail app and I turned it on. So where like it still updates, but I don't get any notifications for it. So like if I want to look, I can, but if I don't want to look, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because like I, I literally felt like my work was consuming my life. Yeah, and it's interesting that because this is what I wanted to say when I got a chance to talk about this. When you said there was a point where you were working sixty to sixty-five hours per week, I hate, I hate that when your coworkers like work OT or like you know you're somewhere and someone's almost like bragging that like oh like I used to work hundred hour weeks like all this stuff I'm like. Are you bragging or were those the worst weeks of your life? Like right. I don't I hate it when people say that because they always say it in like such a smirk that like are you are you bragging about that? Cuz I don't I think can, there's anything to brag about when you're working. Right, but like they they come on like not, oh, I remember I was working 100 hour weeks and I was making a ton of money. I'm like so was that fun? We like, talked about that when we originally put this article in our group chat, like the only person who should be working 80 hour weeks is someone who is, owns the company. is owning their own company and like getting off the ground. And then even you said like, you know, as you're growing your company, you should be delegating tasks that you don't want to do or that waste time so that you can have more personal time. Like the whole goal of like our lives is not to sit around and work, work and for someone else. Yeah. yeah. Like our goal is to <clears throat> take the, eight hours of the day that we have to ourselves and like, you know, do what we want to do and enjoy it. Exactly. And like, so, so the, the place where I've read that about is there's this book called the millionaire real estate agent. Right. And they say that the first person who you're supposed to hire in your real estate business is the person to take over all the tasks you don't want to do. So literally hiring a personal assistant to say, Hey, I don't want to do my dry cleaning anymore. I don't want to do the paperwork anymore. Right. Go take on these tasks and do those things. And then you continue to build it up. So it's like, and this this isn't just real estate. It's literally anything. You should always be seven layers deep by the time you remove yourself. So you should have somebody in place who says, this is, this is the person who's going to run the business for me. And they only answer to me. Below them is going to be these people who run each faction of the business. And then, you know, so on and so forth. So it's almost like, and literally, you can look at this like anything. You know, there's such a negative connotation towards pyramid schemes, but every single company is designed like a pyramid. Mm. Think about it. Yeah, in essence. Right? Like, you drew, like, I'm, I'll use Comcast as a great example because most of our listeners. You should probably say, like, the hierarchy. I mean, pyramid scheme no, is no, no, different not, than. I'm that. saying company <laughs> structure. Right. Okay. So. Okay. Right. That that's what I mean, right? Because Drew has so so like when you think of Comcast, they have let's say four major uh, sections, right? They have technicians, they have customer support, they have sales. What's one I'm missing? Um, probably like R and D. R and D. Great. So you have those four, right? At the bottom level, you have the people who are doing the the nitty gritty work. So you have the salespeople who are talking to, uh, to the customers every day. You have the customer support staff who's talking to the customers. You have the R&D people who are actually in there doing the work. Above them, you have the managers of those people. Above them, you have the managers of those people. Of course, the number dwindles as it goes up. It's right. just designed like a pyramid either way. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So I know what, you mean. what they're saying is, is that the person who runs Comcast, who like owns Comcast, and I know it's technically stockholders, right? But like... Whoever started Comcast should have seven layers between them and Drew. Is what I'm saying. I'm sure it's much more than seven. I, I would bet you it's not much more than you would think. I can think of like three people above me, and I'm pretty sure there's like ten people above them. Comcast's big, though. Right. Well, okay. You know, it's a Fortune yeah. 50 company. So. But most of the time, that's what it's like. Right, Christian, don't you say you see your CEO consistently? Yeah. I mean, same thing a little bit less because we've grown in size a lot. Over the last year, we've hired like 52 more people. So <clears throat> the office is changing a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I see him decently. I see the vice president almost every day, the CFO almost every day. So, I mean, typically you don't see the three highest people in the company. And I even get to see people that are on the board of directors and stuff maybe once every month. Um, but I think a large part of this too, the whole hustle culture um i mean at least for my parents i don't know specifically for your parents but <clears throat> i feel like the generation below us like our parents generation and like the baby boomers and everything they were like truly grinders not all of them but like my dad mom both started working when they were 14 um 
doing like absolute grunt work and like this kind of stuff that I did, like the shipping company, stuff like that, the manufacturing, where I only did it for six months, but they started doing that when they were young and they did work 60, 70 hours a week. Like when my dad first started where he was at, he worked 60, 70 hours a week. And I feel like a lot of our parents had that kind of mentality. And I don't want to say it fully transfers into us, but they kind of, depending on how strict they are and what they shoot for, they might make you get a job very, very early on, which I don't say there's anything wrong with that, but they might be trying to almost have you overworked from an, a young age and getting you into like some kind of a routine where it's okay to work 60 hours a week. It's okay. You can work at a grocery store and make $7 an hour and work there 60 hours a week. That's miserable. Like that's, that's horrible. I, I wouldn't really look at that as a true learning experience. If you want to do something part-time when you're younger and work at the grocery store and work 35 hours a week or something, sure, 25 or something like that, it's a good experience. But um, I think a lot of it might have just transferred over into um, like how we are. Because I feel like when I left college, I wasn't even... The way I was searching for a job and looking back on it, it was the totally wrong way. I was just on Indeed. I didn't even have anything filtered. I just clicked and the area code just date added in anything that had the salary over like 35k that looked like i could possibly do it. i was just applying like just hundreds a day and literally just went for the first couple offering me a position sure like it wasn't even ha- i didn't even have nearly as much thought into it as i know i should have i was just so focused on after graduating i gotta get a job immediately because i knew i was living here and that entire thing was and it's crazy to think about this that I was happier when I didn't have a job for almost a year. I was happier Ubering, working Craigslist jobs, and just doing odd stuff because, one, Ubering, I met some awesome people, awesome experience. When I worked at Craigslist, I met some super kind-hearted, down-to-earth people that, like, I heard a lot of their stories, and I was like, it made me want to work harder because I was like, shit, like, you do have it rough. And, like, working those jobs, yeah, I was literally just getting by, like, just being able to pay rent and stuff. But I was happier doing stuff like that than when I actually had a salary job for like the month or a couple of weeks in the summer just because I was just miserable doing something that I knew I had no passion about. Where even though I wasn't crazy passionate about Uber, I wasn't obviously crazy passionate about the Craigslist stuff, but it was my kind of work where I got to be around people and socialize and let them know my story and just communicate with people and just work in that way. So so I would call that the hustle, right? Yeah. Like I think I think that's an example of the hustle culture. While you didn't technically have your own business, mm. you were earning income based on what you did. Yeah. Right? So do you feel like looking back <clears throat> on it, right? You said you were happier then. Do you feel like you would have been happier working 55 hours a week doing what you were doing then or 40 hours a week now doing what you do? I mean, I would, for me now, I would be happier where I'm at now, but I just truly did find a company and a position that just works for me for like who I am just deep down as a person. Like it fits my personality to a T. And like the people I work with are awesome. But typically like any if I didn't land specifically where I was and it took forever to get there, overall I would have rathered Uber and do Craigslist stuff, odd stuff fifty hours a week than working forty hours doing, you know, sales or doing um something that didn't really work for me or even anything with finance or something. So yeah, I I could have done that stuff. I shoveled snow for literally 10 hours and it was freezing cold out. 10 hours. I remember yeah, when I remember you wanted, day. you told me about that and you were like, did you want to do it? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, called, I literally called you on the way home. I was like, please tell me you're home and you weren't. I was like, dude, I was like, I need you to make me food. Cause I ate at eight in the morning and it was eight at night. I haven't eaten anything. Like I was on water all day long. I was like uh. tripping, but at the same time. And for those of you who don't know, Christian eats more than anybody <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Big um, facts. But I don't know, even just stuff like that, it was just nice because I was expecting, because online it said I was only supposed to get like 200 bucks, which to me I was like eight hours, $200, whatever. Like that's like an average day of work anyway, so sure. And then afterwards, because I drove and the people that I worked with, they were just thankful that I was driving them around and just talking that they might, I think they said something to the guy that was the one writing all the checks and I ended up getting almost $400 when I shouldn't have. And I, I think that they gave parts of their paycheck to the, like, yeah, can you take like 20 out of mine and give it to him or something? Because mine was a lot larger than I asked the guy. I was like, why? And to me, that was just like a super rewarding um, experience and feeling. So that's so, kind of something I want to get back into. Not so exactly that's that. That's when the that's hustle when, makes sense. That's yeah. when it like right. pays off. That's when you get something like you weren't expecting and 
I think like what the article was like trying to say is like when we're you're overworking yourself in the same situation and you're getting the same exact results but like you're expecting like kind of something to change or so you're constantly fixated on the money that you're making and you're trying to like flex how much hours you're putting in and all this stuff but nothing is changing other than your bank accounts just getting bigger right there's nothing mental that's happening with you there's nothing at all happening like i think one of the most fascinating things is like a youtuber who literally have a office set up in their home they film their entire day it's an entire day worth of work and like that's what they do just all the time that is a hustle. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I think, I mean, the more you look at everything, you've told me this since junior year of college that ultimately, like, I don't want somebody signing my paychecks forever. And I, it's not, and that's the thing like how I was saying about how these certain influencers, you don't get the story that they have filthy rich parents. That if I had somebody that could just give me a few million dollars, any single one of us here could be create a high a side hustle in a year easily and just be able to live off of it. Forever. Like any mm-hmm. one of us is smart enough to put that money and make yeah. sure it grows yeah. a lot. Yeah, so exactly. we have enough, and our kids have enough. And like, people, and we're well off. People aren't looking for the details. Like they see these influencers, and they're just like, "Wow, like look what they did. Look how I wonder how they did it." And these people are. F- these influencers are giving these videos in a way where they'll give you a little taste of, oh, this is a first step or this is a second step, which realistically, the whole first step was, yeah, my dad put like $5 million in my bank. Right. And it's not obviously that easy to set up a hustle, but I'm kind of in the mindset now where anything that you have a true passion for, or even it doesn't even have to be something that's like a, a total true passion in terms of something specific, like a specific topic or industry or just a specific area, like just specifically... Obviously, like, just sports or just, like, fashion. But that obviously helps. But I, I'm i in the mindset now where anything that I'm passionate about, and I'm going to get back into the whole um, health and fitness thing, like, once the summer comes around, I'm going to be way more aggressive about it because when I was doing it, I didn't have the money to spend all the time. I didn't have, really, the money to kind of put myself out there more because I'm, I'm not going to explain how the whole Thumbtack app and the other apps work. But I have more money now where I could kind of advertise stuff a little bit better i could reach out to more people have more quotes and stuff but i'm going to attack it a lot more aggressively this summer and i'm yeah. going to do other things and kind of put stuff around like this area and other areas that kind of like promote stuff and everything and then i've also looked into um this iff program which is like a nine-month program it's like two or three i have to go back and look it's like two or three grand which this isn't something right away that i would do but it's like a nine-month program and at the end of it they give you your own website they give you um the the Six months of pretty much, um, and I actually found out about this through Logan not long ago, which is crazy, but um, six months is pretty much just like training you on whatever, something with health coaching that you might, it's kind of like a six-month classes of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other three months is pretty much teaching you how to set up your own, be your own entrepreneur, set up your own business, and they set you up with your own website, they set you up with your own clients, like your own life. I think they gave you like two or three clients to start off with see how you do stuff like that and then they pretty much start you off with your like your own book of business and then from there you could obviously start to do stuff word of mouth and then you'll be you'll be ifs iff certified so that's dope i just know like after you find something that you're like truly passionate about you do some research and you know you, you still work and do something to make you the money on the side i just know that if you really put the time into something you surround yourself by like the right people now take it this is all my mindset but you like put in enough effort it's like day, the hustle becomes week, worth and then it. We got, yeah, it, it becomes, you know, for me, ultimately, you want your passions to start off as a side hustle and then increase it and increase it to the point where you could become, you can make it a main hustle and then um, you can kind of just do it forever. And that's kind of something that I approached it totally wrong from the start, thinking that I was just going to leave school and just work at something for a long time and my side hustle will never grow to be like exactly. a main like, hustle. I think when you were going at it, like you didn't really know how to go about it but now yeah. like you've had the time you do have some experience in it mm-hmm. and like you know what worked and you've like done more research online mm-hmm. you talked to logan about it who like has experience in it and like you kind of have like a better game plan yeah and a game plan is like half the battle like if it you is. go in with no game plan like i kind of learned that when i was trying to like do my business like there's a lot that goes into like writing contracts and like all the little things that you just don't realize yeah, you just don't know yeah. like from doing it you gotta you know have a plan so i think that that's awesome, dude. 
Yeah. That'd be cool. And it's crazy, too, because I never... When I showed up at these two people's homes that I was doing, that I had no experience. My experience was, hey, I taught myself online, and I lost a weight by myself, and this is my story. This is what I know. I'm not certified. I'm going to obviously be undervalued compared to the people that are certified for good reason because I can't charge $100 a session like they can because I don't have the stuff that they have. But I pretty much said, like, hey, take a chance on me. Let me show you that I know what I'm talking about. I could give you results, and if you don't like what I'm doing, obviously get rid of me. And even then, I still did stuff completely wrong, and it was a good learning experience because I was letting them do stuff. I was charging them per session, whereas now when I look and I read through, like, these sites and stuff that you should start off if you start off with anybody new right off the bat um have like the first session free and then make them book up like 10 at once instead of doing it one at a time like yeah if you want me you have to do 10 at a time so it's all a grind it really is just a learning experience and i think that a lot of people in our age are just watching these people directly online and thinking that there's you can just listen to what they say and just snap your fingers and it's going to happen like there are so many steps you have to take and they're not telling you the biggest one is that they started off with a lot more capital than what we yeah know. so I don't know. It's crucial, in my opinion, to fail. Obviously, everyone here knows that failure is needed with stuff, and it's just—it's all part of the grind and all part of the process. At the end of the day, for sure. All right, let's move on to our final big subject here, which I think is going to be the most fun for us. Um, I kind of wanted to do this. I'm always about like finding what I think we're all always about, like finding the next big thing or like finding something like a good song or a new artist that we liked, and like you know. Sharing with, it. Yep. Yeah, sharing it, growing with that artist. So the idea behind this is kind of who do you think is like the next artist in like the next two to five years? So not like immediately, but also like not that far away. That's going to be like really big. Not just like, you know, have a niche audience, but like mm-hmm. be one of those like global artists that can like, you know, fill a stadium. So talking about like Justin Bieber's, talking about like... Katy Perry's talking mm. about like Kendrick Lamar's like real big that like are kind of known to us now that we know and that we think has like the potential to actually hit that threshold. Kyle, what do you think? Baby goth. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some new artists that are on my radar right now. I don't know. I'm hesitant to say if they're going to make it big and be like those names that you just mentioned but um explain your case to well yeah so one of them actually i showed steve this person a long time ago it's um gashy so he whoa, whoa, whoa. You, we we both <laughs> found them well okay yeah what yeah. that's not relevant but <laughs> you said you showed me hey, I'm just, you know. all right <laughs> so we found him on soundcloud Listen to a couple things, and then that was um that was freshman year of college, so that was five years ago. And ever since then, we haven't really like listened to him that much. And then he kind of came out with his stuff on Apple Music. He like officially released. Um, I don't know if he came out with an album at all yet, but anyway, he's kind of like a. How do I describe him? He's like a rapper, but he's more kind of like a French Montana. Kind I kind of think of like Tory Lanes. To be honest, okay, that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. But um, what's your uh, what's your track record? Like, have you ever discovered someone like before they got like really, really big? Um, I can tell you right now. Well, we went over this before. Um, I would say you were on like you had Travis Scott. You were a lot more into before he blew up. Yeah, I was listening to. Yeah, and I would also say in high school. you like Ariana Grande has blew up enormously over the last year and a half. But I would say before that, you were even into her. Yeah, before that's true. All this crazy stuff happened where she blew up like crazy. But yeah, I was, so I would say Kyle has a pretty good track record. Um, who else? Oh, I was listening to Logic. Not yeah, we were on Logic. Me and you, like when it so. I wasn't as big as to finding people like on SoundCloud or anything, but when when stuff officially released on like iTunes and stuff. Oh, I was okay. I was on the Kyle. Yeah, you were. Kyle, on the- I listened to in high school. Man, you do have a good track record, right? But yeah. I don't think Kyle's like big, big yet. Kyle, I wouldn't. Put uh, Kyle on, like he had that. Not yet, on I Spy. but he could. He could. Do he, you think? I don't. I don't. He. I don't know. I don't. Maybe. Know. I have 
a pretty good track record. I was on yeah. Chance the Rapper you way okay. before yeah. anyone else. Way before yep. anyone else. And a couple, I don't. I feel like there's some other artists. But you Chance were on the Rapper, Skrillex, I feel like, before anybody else was really on Skrillex. Yeah. I've always been about, like, SoundCloud and, like, finding rappers and EDM artists. I Oh, what, see, what about Lil Suit? Suit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is that that was... That's <laughs> that's the guy who went into should college. I, class. Should I say that story real yeah, quick? Please tell us that story. So I was in <laughs> it was the last semester of my senior year. I had an elective, so I took uh, food, fire, and physics, and we was in this big two hundred person lecture hall, and we were learning about like the physics and stuff behind food. Actually, like really helpful. Like I use the stuff in the kitchen when I'm cooking and stuff all the time. All the stuff I learned, and um, all of a sudden, one of the days. This guy opens, we're like in the class, this guy opens a big uh, double doors and he comes in, he's wearing this bright green satin bomber jacket, I'll never forget, and he's carrying <laughs> around uh, a Beats Pill speaker and he walks down the steps, kind of like kind of runs down the steps and he yells at our teacher who's in the middle of a lecture saying, hey, can I make an announcement? And our teacher's like, no. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> The kid literally says, ah, fuck it. I don't care. And he literally says, <laughs> "I." he literally yells to everyone in the classroom, says, I'm dropping out of school and I'm becoming a rapper. Follow me on SoundCloud at Little Suit or <laughs> Lil Suit. Wow, we just gave him mad publicity. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so anyway, I told the guys this happened at class. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe. And like the teacher had to come up, like grab him and like take him like out of the classroom because he was like blaring his music and stuff all this stuff i was like did this just happen <laughs> anyway a couple days later um i was listening to some of his stuff i'm like this guy's like not like terrible so i keep him on my soundcloud favorites or whatever and then like he starts coming out with more stuff and it comes up on apple music and like some of the stuff is like starting to get good yeah yeah. Yeah, the last song that he dropped was like surprisingly very good. Yeah, and I think he's like set to release like another song like this week or something. Is he signed or No. no. Dude. All right, man. Indie, I like Anyway, it. anyway. Also, Steve, I was just thinking, I was scrolling through my uh, Spotify to look. You were on Post Malone like way before anybody else was. And like No, oh, hold up. No. Alex, when were we on Post Malone? We were listening to his stuff on YouTube that was unreleased. Oh, yeah, I was on him way back in 2015. Like when White Iverson first came out, I was like, "Oh my god, who is this guy?" Yes, yeah, so I heard White Iverson when it came out, and then nothing really happened. And then like he released, he has some unreleased songs on YouTube. Like mm-hmm. there's one called uh, Ten Toes Down." I remember that. And one. And then he dropped mm-hmm. two mixtapes. On SoundCloud, I have both. Yep. Too. Yeah. And then Stony came out. Or he dropped a couple singles in the fall of 2017. Wait, what was his second mixtape? He had August 26th. That was the second one. What was the first one? Uh, I don't remember the name of the first one. But it was like early, early. Mm. Like right after White Iverson. Because I remember we were, all, we were all pretty big on him before even August 26th dropped. I was... Yeah, I, I, was I mean like track us as a group and... collectively, like we were way on Post Malone mm-hmm. before... Anybody even knew who he was. I think how a lot of people found out, at least in my area, and how I found out, how like some of my friends back home found out in 2015. Like, I mean, Wiz Khalifa is still a pretty big artist. He's kind of quiet now, but back then he was huge. Like, he constantly was putting out like his best music. And I remember on his Twitter, randomly, he posted, he's like, Who is this Post Malone guy? And he had the White Iverson song linked. He's like, This is an absolute vibe. And I listened to it from there in 2015 and we played it and I remember being like super stoned and listened to it and I was like yo I was like, this song is crazy good and then I went on to the guys SoundCloud and then I heard that song the 10 tones down there was a few other ones that one song that uh FKI first produced um, yeah, and, he, and he, he did a couple covers and a stuff. couple covers yeah. and a couple other things and I remember listening to all of it and I was like this guy's voice is like crazy unique and I didn't know if he was using something that I didn't know about like a different kind of autotune but then when I listened to it more I was like, nah, I think this guy's voice is actually just this good. And, yeah. and he started putting out more stuff, so I gave him a follow. And then that's when he, August 26th came out, and I listened to that whole thing. And I remember playing that at the gym everywhere for, like, months at a time. And that's when he started to get some more publicity. What's up with that? What's up? Yeah. yeah. What's up? All right. 
Anyway, we're getting yeah off track a little bit. So I only have really another, two at the top of mind. Wait, I have I have one more. So Kelsey actually baby got goth. me on this person. Baby goth. It was baby goth. Baby goth. <laughs> Stop it. Kelsey really likes her. She's ah. the one. She's the one who got me on to baby goth. <laughs> so. <laughs> so man, I think if Kelsey had the choice to remove one person from the world, it'd probably be baby goth. I don't get. She'll come around to her or whatever. <laughs> All right, Christian, go ahead. Here I mean, are. I don't want to put this as thinking about who is going to blow up to just be as big as someone like Kanye, Kendrick, and Drake. I, I'm taking this as someone that will just say will be able to fill a an arena or a stadium. Yeah, yeah. Within whatever three or four years, um, and one, I don't know if you guys remember, and I know you're hip. To, you're probably the most hip to this guy, but I remember four years ago. That guy Aries that makes those YouTube videos. And you took one of mine. I that, love Aries. That guy makes some for real crazy motherfucking beats. He is very good. Did you at hear making, his song that he dropped this week? Uh, Santa Monica. Yes. Oh I, my I was gonna say, god. I forgot the name. But his beats are astounding. Like, dude, they are incredible. Like, and because he's what he did. That was his YouTube series that like, he was showing you how to make like extra tour life in five minutes, and he was doing it from scratch like that. And I was like, this is not that easy. Like, I'm sure you rehearsed this, but. The fact that you know how to make it exactly like you got some skill and he makes all of these beats. He comes out with a song almost every week now. Yeah, and, and they and, are literally like production wise. But yeah, they're almost notch. flawless, seriously. And he's getting like millions of views and stuff now. He's on all the platforms. He's getting like definitely a couple tens of thousands, maybe a couple hundreds of thousands of streams. He has some songs no, that are like, last like year, millions like, of streams. When I first found him last year, like I would say he was getting about. 500,000 song or views per song. Mm-hmm. When I go on a Spotify now, it's like 10 million, 11 million per song. And it's like, is he's he blowing just, up. Is he just a producer? No, he, he does all oh, the okay. songs. So he yeah, does both. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah but he, he like produces it his own. He writes the lyrics. He does like, he's full fledged. And like, he hasn't dropped a full album yet, but he keeps dropping singles. And they, they're just all. This is what he's reminding me of. And not that, I mean, this guy gets a ton of hate, but I don't, no matter what anyone says, this dude is making a shit ton of money. He's invested in a lot, and he has blown up, and he has his own following. Russ, like, he, I get the hate he gets, but that's how he started off kind of doing the same thing, producing everything mm-hmm. on his own. And, like, in my opinion, this guy has the potential to be that, but, like, even greater because his beats are better. I personally think, like, he's a little bit more creative and stuff, and he's not, he doesn't have that corny aspect that for some reason Russ is surrounded by and I think if he keeps playing his cards right and everything that he could in the next three not even maybe three in the next couple of years he could really become an artist that you'll start to see on TV or so, so I, to I would say I would say seriously once he drops like a legitimate album yeah like he'll start getting more recognition yeah I agree Drew um, who are yours or Christian you said you had two yeah I mean this guy is blown up I think he's going to continue to get bigger and i think i know alex will appreciate this i really do believe now especially too and i'm not using drake as like a co-sign or anything but ever since like the beef beef has been squashed i think tory lanes is going to continue to grow because i like him a lot i think he's awesome he to me the guy doesn't make bad music i mean he's pretty big big. yeah but i'm saying for him i think he can get to the status of being not maybe not as big quite as big as like i said those top two people but like just below that's what i'm saying like there's a lot of people like it takes a lot to go like that last step from like you know like you're known but you're not like filling stadiums and you're not like on like the A list. Like there's a lot of artists right now. Like, that, I feel like we hit that post Malone spot like perfect. Perfect. We, we, we went to that concert. I think that was exactly literally like I can think a, about like the a next couple weeks like and afterwards. It was like, boom, boom. Like yeah. it exploded, man. And yeah. then like I could tell people like yeah we touched him. Yeah, we were front row. Like I saw him. Like, yeah, now we he's selling out concert. Madison Square Garden. Like, yeah, what? Three nights in a row. Like, <laughs> so I've two. My two are gonna be Jaden Smith, who I feel like is like I was gonna say he's him, but right there. He, like he's kind of like man. Icon was already a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was pretty big, but I don't think he's like on like the level of like J Cole, Kendrick, Drake. No, God mm-hmm. no. But like I think he has the potential in the next two to five years, yes, to get there. He has the from what we've heard and everything. Like he definitely has a creative like Nick and like everyone that he's hanging around. He's definitely greatly influenced upon. I think people who are like Kendrick Drake, 
cult. Like they respect him. Like they see his talent. Everyone like, does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the the other one, I'm gonna go with the person who I thought had the album of the year, Anderson Pac. Okay. Mm. I think he also kind of has like the right. Like you think he'll be kind of like Kendrick? Yeah. Kind of like he's just such a great rapper that everybody respects the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just like a great musician. Like I think he has that ability. I don't know if he will, because that's the thing. Like it's even if you have the talent, you have the people around you. You still don't. You can't. You know. Reach that only that. gets you so I'm putting, far. I'm yeah, putting. It takes him, a lot of luck. I'm putting him, and they don't sound the same. I'm putting him in elect- <clears throat> intellectually on a similar level as like a Pharrell, just because I look at him as if somebody's at like a stalemate or they're kind of at like a plateau of not knowing where to go with a song, or if they're kind of at just like how they're having writer's block. I feel like getting somebody like him in the studio with you, mm-hmm. he has so much knowledge on like you said, he's massive on drums he's very lyrical and you can tell he's a smart guy and he's studied like a lot about instruments i feel like getting somebody like that in the studio with you listen to your music ask you like hey like what are you trying to get out of this song he is someone that could push the song like getting past the yeah. plateau and like making it something great yeah so i agree that's a really good one oh, wait too. i have wait are, do you still have one more i was gonna say an actual yeah. like a really good way to think of this is kind of like if you look at like a, a set list or like um like a headliner for like a music festival like mm-hmm. we're talking about like the three people that are always like at the top, like the headliners, as opposed to like people who are kind of like yeah, down the list. That's like a good way to think yeah. of this. Should have said that before, but another one I just thought of, uh, Chris Wu. He mm. just released his, I think, second album. So like, he definitely has a lot of music out there. He's just waiting to get that wave of following. But he has a feature uh, with Travis Scott. Um, really? I've yeah. not heard of him. No, me neither. Yeah, you have. Have I? Let me bring up a song. All right. My two real quick. Um, Nicole Buss. So the first female, I think. Oh, no, you mentioned Baby Goth. <laughs> Nicole Buss. Kid Cudi. Or, well, I mean, Kelsey really likes Baby Goth. I just want to keep reiterating <laughs> that. Kelsey's um, the one that put me on to her. <laughs> Nicole Buss is like an R&B. Like, she just has that, like, soul Shoot. Now that you her. say that, I was going to say Billie Eilish. That's a good one. My she's, other one, she's blew up. yeah, yeah Billy Eilish kind of yeah. screwed up. My other, and and this one is like so underground, it's not even crazy. Is that Ninety Nine Neighbors, mm. that group, their album, like if their album came out last year, I'd probably put their album in my top three. I think it's that good. Damn. So I would say. Ninety Nine Neighbors is another one to look forward to. I never heard of them. I have to check them out. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Okay. So, to end the podcast, since we kind of all went through that already, I want to end it a little bit differently than I think you guys were thinking. Oh, Oh boy. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. So, before we record our next one or release our next one, the Grammys are going to happen. So, that happens next Sunday. Oh, snap. And we talk about music all the time, so I kind of want to just go real quick through some of the major category fields that that happen. And talk about uh, what happens. So, I'm going to read... What I'm talking about, so what the the category is, the nominations for it, and we're just gonna all quickly, what's the one that you're you're going for? Okay. So this one, number one, record of the year. I like it. Cardi B, Bad Balvin or Bad Bunny and J Balvin. The Joke by Brandy Carlile. This is America. Childish Gambino. God's Plan. Drake. Shallow. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. All the stars. Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Rockstar. Post Malone and Twenty One Savage. And The Middle by Zed. The Cardi B one. Uh, Kyle. Drake's going to win. Drake, yeah, I'm going Drake. I'm going Post Malone, 21 Savage. These are my personal opinions. I'm just picking based on who I think will win. Mm. Album of the year. Invasion of Privacy, Cardi B. By the way, I forgive you, Brandy Carlisle. Scorpion, Drake. Scorpion is going to win. Her. Her. Beer Bongs and Bentleys, Post Malone. Dirty Computer, Janelle Monet. Golden Hour, Casey Musgraves. Black Panther, the album. It's oh. not. No, it's. I'm gonna put Cardi over Drake again. I'm not kidding. I'm going with the Black Panther album. Drake it's doesn't win at gonna, these shows really like this. He's going. He doesn't win. He's gonna win a lot. I'm actually gonna take Dirty Computer, Janelle Monae. What? Yeah, that album was incredible. I think he just picked and chose. No, no, no. Did I'm telling you, the album it? was incredible. Song of the year. Why does he have time to listen to all this? <laughs> so he's so busy at work. All the stars. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, Boot Up, LMA, God's Plan, Drake, In My Blood, Sean Mendes. Wait, what's this category? Sorry. This is Song of the Year. 
God's plan. God's plan. The middle, shallow, this is America. I'm going this is America for this one. Nope. Just based on what they, they say for all those. Best new artist, Chloe Exhale, Luke Combs, Greta Van Fleet, Her, Dua Lipa, Margot Price, Baby Rexa, and Georgia Smith. Dua Lipa. Mm. Yeah, I'm going Dua Lipa. I was going to say her too. Yeah. Or what about what you said they? They, uh. No, her. Her. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I'm going Dua Lipa. Uh, Best pop solo performance. I'm just going general category and then we'll we'll quit it. Um, Colors by Beck, Havana, Camila Cabello, God is a Woman, Ariana Grande, Mm. Joanne, Lady Gaga, Better Now, Post Malone. Mm. God is a Woman. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. Gotta pick Ari. I think I'm going better now, Post Malone. Shocker. And and this isn't me being biased either. I'm saying like (laughs) actually. What were the first three options? Colors by Beck. Havana by Camille Cabello. by Havana. Okay. Best pop duo group performance, Fall in Line by Christina Aguilera featuring Demi Lovato. Never heard of it. (laughs) Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Backstreet Boys. Oh my God. If that... if that wins, I hate this. I don't country. need the song by Tony Bennett and Diana Crail. Shallow by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Oh. Girls like you, Maroon Five and Cardi B. Uh, Say something, Justin B. Uh, Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton and the Middle Zed. No, it's the Maroon Five. Song. I'm going Shallow, Lady Gaga and Bradley yeah, Cooper. I like Shallow. I'd probably go with that too. Yeah. So far, uh, best traditional pop vocal album. Love is here to stay by Tony Bennett and Diana Crail. My way, did, Willie whoa, Nelson. Wait, All right, this one's read, dumb. Read I'm, the category. I did. That one's that one's dumb. We're not read, doing can that. Can you just read it again? I'm not doing that one. No, no. I, I just want to hear you say it. Best traditional pop vocal album. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> uh, number eight. Best pop vocal album. Camilla, Camilla Cabello, Meaning of Life, Kelly Clarkson, Sweetener, Ariana Grande. Sweetener. Sean Mendez, Sean Mendez, beautiful Shawn trauma, Mendes. pink or reputation by Taylor Swift. I'm going Camille, Camille Bayo. I'm going Sean Mendez. Hmm. I'm just picking Ariana because you love Ariana. I was yeah. Mendes. Taylor Swift has a massive How many more of these are there. Other yeah, it's kind of Sean Mendez though. People are kind of going over to Ariana Grande. So. All right, there's a lot more of these, so. But we're at about the time here. Right. Um, Plus, let's see if I can main, find. You did the big ones. Uh. Best rap performance, Be Careful, Cardi B, Nice For What, Drake, King's Dead, Kendrick Lamar, Bubbling Anderson Packer, Sicko Mode by Travis Scott. Sicko Mode! Yeah, I'm going Sicko Mode. Cardi B. What? Um, best rap sung performance, Like I Do, Christina Aguilera, Drake. Pretty Little Liars, Six Lack, um, This Is America, Childish Gambino, All the Stars, Kendrick Lamar, or Rockstar by Post Malone. Oh, no Drake in there? No. Wait, what was the category? Best rap what? Best rap slash sung performance. So performance, yeah. So it's not the song. It's yeah, I'm gonna go probably. probably this I is would, America again. I would probably go with This Is America. Yeah, I'd agree. With or that. I mean, yeah. Rockstar was really good too. That's probably my second. But uh, and then this is uh, two more. Um, best rap song: God's Plan by Drake, King's Plan or King's Dead, Kendrick, Lucky You by uh, Joyner Lucas, Sicko Mode, Travis Scott, or Win by Kendrick. I'm gonna go Sicko Mode again. I think I'm going to go Sicko Sicko Mode. should Sicko win. Mode, yeah. God's Plan is going to win, though. And last but not least, best rap album, Invasion of Privacy, Swimming, Mac Miller, Victory Lap by Nipsey Hupsel, Daytona, Pusha T, or Astroworld by Travis Scott. Wait, wait. I'll probably out. give it to Pusha T. Time out. Wait, what? Best what? Rap album. Best rap album. Read the categories again slowly. Invasion of Privacy, Cardi not B. Not a rap album, but okay. <laughs> Swimming by Mac Miller, okay. which should win. Victory Lap by Nipsey Hussle. Daytona by Pusha T or Astro World by Travis Scott. I'll probably give it to Pusha. Mm. I'm gonna give it to Mac. I think I think his death will have a huge impact on the voting. I think Cardi or Astro World. That kind of stinks though. Like that does have an impact. Like I, I'm not. This is not like disrespecting him or anything. But like it kind of sucks for everyone else in the category. But anyway, I would probably pick Astro World. Astro. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I know we did this last week, but again, final scores, everybody, real quick. Christian, final score. Uh, for the game? Yep. Uh, let's go 28-20. Who? I'm saying... Patriots. Uh, I'm saying 
24 Patriots. Go Rams, though. Yeah. Screw yeah, the Patriots. Go Rams. 34 to 31 Rams. Ooh. Close one. I'm going to go 38-35 Rams. High scoring? Yeah. High scoring. For no sure. defense this game for sure. For sure. For sure. Even All though right. they have the best defense. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, Peace. guys. Peace, Peace. out. Peace. Peace.